0: to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca.
1: And I'm Pastor Chad.
0: And today we are going to talk about the issue of stewardship of the earth. And what is our responsibility in terms of caring for the earth and issues of, of course climate change and all that kind of fun stuff.
1: Yeah, this comes out of uh, just off the heels of whatever that was that happened in Nebraska. Like a, like a hurricane, cyclone type a cyclone thing. bomb. Yes, that's what it was. A cyclone bomb in the middle of the state. Which ah. I
0: grew up in Nebraska. I lived in Nebraska for many, many years. Sorry. Um, even it's not after... for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is not for everybody. That is their new slogan. Um, but I, in all of my years of living in Nebraska, I'd never heard of a cyclone bomb, which is I... basically it was a hurricane over planned. Yeah. I, I mean, I always got told. I remember when I um, when I moved here to Florida, everybody's like, "Oh, those hurricanes." And I'm like, "Well, look at you now. You get your cyclone bombs. What the heck?"
1: Yeah. We don't <laughs> even have hurricane bombs here. <laughs> it may that sounds like a drink. Like a hurricane bomb sounds like a like a drink that I probably would not like to indulge in.
0: <laughs> no. No. We laugh, but at the same time, it, it's a it's a very serious thing um, from the standpoint of. Uh, the the number of people who were in, I mean, fairly populous areas like Fremont, Nebraska, which you may or may not have ever heard of. Nope. Um, Midland College is there. So anybody who's, you know, diehard die Lutheran knew about Midland College. Um, but it's, it's a town of 30,000 people. They were completely cut off from the outside world. Uh-huh. Um, they, the, the water uh, had made it so that they were essentially living on an island and they couldn't get in, couldn't get out, even though they'd been they've been given evacuation orders, and they're like, "Well, but how do we evacuate? We can't get out. Yeah. so
1: I, um, and, I, and I confess, I, I, I didn't pay a ton of attention to it. I, I happened to see one of the weather map pictures. Uh, The overhead satellites that showed like this hurricane-type form in the middle, which I thought was just crazy, and it really the magnitude of it didn't really hit me. And again, because I I was not paying attention to a lot of the news footage, news coverage of it, um, until that week where I was doing the prayers, and we were naming people out loud in the prayers, and you you rattled off a list, and I knew from that list where those people were, and I'm like, oh my God, like. Like just the gravity of how many people just you were naming, and then I started thinking, "Wow, I have friends in Nebraska too," and you go, "Wow!" I mean, it's it's ma- it was massive, yeah. massive, massive flooding. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I had a lot of people that that I knew that were affected, um, uh, or and if I didn't personally know them, people I knew knew them, you know, knew people. Yeah. So yeah, it was a very it was a very close thing, um, and and of course. Nebraskans, being Nebraskans, do what Nebraskans do best, and they, of course, all... Go to football games? Football games, there's that, too. <laughs> but uh, they, they are a very... Uh, they're a community that that really is closely knit and tied together, and when yeah. w- one part of Nebraska is in trouble, the rest of the Nebraskans kind of rally together and, and figure out how to get them food and... Uh, water and, and things like that. I know Lincoln was put on um, water rations, believe it or not, even though they had water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, because it was getting into the well system. Yep. And so, yeah, it was. It's it's still, from what I I can gather from some of my friends, uh, that it's it's still kind of mess. Luckily, my family not there. Um, they are my my parents, at any rate, were in California. Uh, that's where they spend their winters. So you know, I just worry. I worry more about them usually. Every time I think there's going to be an earthquake or something along those lines, sure. that that's that's going to affect them. Um, but for a change, they were not they were not affected by by this so but so,
1: but so many were i mean yeah. so so many people were affected maybe this is a good time to point out that if you're looking to provide aid um, lutheran disaster response and lutheran disaster yes. relief is an excellent 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 charity That, that hits right on the. and we do ground.
0: have uh, a link on our website uh, and on the app Yep, the, g- the
1: give portion of the app to yeah, give to that.
0: I, I, well, uh, yeah. If you go to emmanuelpalmcity.org, you can uh, put it in. I think the memo section that you want to help with the Midwest floods, uh, or you can uh, do it on the app. I think when you give, you can specify where you <laughs> want it to go. Uh, and
1: yeah, so so just on our on our app, you can you can select to give to Lutheran Disaster um, as one wo- as one of the funds the funds. To give to and then in the memo you could put in um, specifically specifically which which one and we would direct the funds that that direction yeah So. so so what is back to our topic what is so so maybe we should first sort of acknowledge that um climate change has recently become a political issue um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's sort of one of those things that we're tossing back and forth now. The one side says, oh yes, uh, it's man-made climate change and it's real, and we need to do something about it. The other side um, isn't as accepting of that. Um, well, and
0: I think the argument there is that w- the, the Earth goes through normal climate shifts and this isn't man-made, this, is, this is just the normal... Climate.
1: We just need to ride it out, yeah. and it'll, r- it'll correct itself sort of thing. <coughs> right. Yeah.
0: So those are the two different arguments. From a I, I guess do you want to start with the, the, the scientific standpoint or do you want to start with the <laughs> so,
1: so let let's start let's start with the scripture. So so very beginning, I mean what happens in Genesis at the very start? Yep. God created yep. boom boom, boom, boom boom. God created man. we're part of that creation. and part of our job as as mankind, as, I'm sorry, as humankind, that's a more politically correct, um, as humankind, our role, our it, our role in 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 creation is to steward is to steward it is to care for it um, now there's a dominion over but really our our job is to care for creation
0: yes and that that's not just a Christian ethic there, there are a lot of other religions where caring for the earth is a very important part of their uh, in in fact I bring up this this religion just because it's always fun and so unknown Zoroastrianism uh... the the persian uh... religion which is a monotheistic religion actually had a lot of influence on christianity and uh... judaism and probably Islam as well. But uh, one of the things within Zoroastrianism is that you are required to be mindful about the environment because, because it's God's creation. Right. You are not supposed to be polluting it, doing anything along those lines. So there's there's an ethic there that uh, is, is very much, because this is God's creation, we are supposed to it, it, we're supposed to take care of it like it's God's. <laughs> yeah, what are,
1: that's, a, that's a novel concept. And yeah.
0: I mean, think about how people freak out if um, we do things around the altar because that's holy space. And say, oh, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that because that's God's, that's yeah. God's space. That's, that's you know, that area that's dedicated. And it's like, well, but our planet is our, God's. Our waterways,
1: our forests, our rainforests, our, you know. Yeah land, masses in general.
0: Yeah, and, and I think pro- part of the problem of where we have come uh, or come to from a scriptural standpoint or a religious standpoint of where a lot of the mentality that it really doesn't matter what we do has to do with the groups that believe we're living in the end times. Yep. Um, that, that, that believe that um, the signs of the time are at hand and this has all been written out and, and God has decided that the earth is going to be destroyed and it's just a matter of when. I and mean, they're just kind of sitting back waiting for that to happen. And essentially their, their view is the world cannot be saved. Barbara Rossing actually writes about this, this phenomenon um, in her book, The Rapture Exposed, uh, in which she kind of goes after this it's called dispensationalist type of, of uh. theology in which the idea being, you know, there's going to be the secret rapture and people are going to be raptured off and then the world's going to get destroyed in that seven-year tribulation period anyway, and then God's going to just create something new. And a couple of things that she points out is that the, the, the basic rapture credo is that the world can't be, can't be saved. And they're willing to live in a world with no more responsibility for caring for it than just letting the clock run out. And just basically, all of these signs of environmental degradation and getting worse is just proof that the prophetic clock has continued down almost all the way, and that is going to then give them their escape.
1: So it's a doomsday clock. It's
0: a doomsday clock, basically, yeah. Yeah. They're very focused on saving just individuals out of the world, as opposed to dealing with the fact that we all still maybe kind of have to continue to live here. And she also points out that one of the the that things sounds really
1: selfish to me. It is. So so it, it sounds sal- and I, I maybe that's just judgy on my part. So I'll confess that. Um, <laughs> but it, so- it sounds very selfish to say well. One, we don't know when that doomsday clock is gonna is gonna run out, but the the legacy it leaves for our kids and grandkids and great grandkids and that I strug- I struggle with that.
0: Yeah, well, and for for them, it, it's all about just humans, and it has nothing to do with animals, and has nothing to do with which I find very interesting when you look at in in the book of Revelation in particular, who's standing before the throne of God, it's the four living creatures.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mankind is included, but they We ain't alone. We ain't alone. That's
1: right, that's right.
0: Um, and so this, this concept that it, it's only for, you know, God, God's new earth and new heaven is only for humans, is not exactly followed up in scripture.
1: So, so, trivia question for the listeners, how many podcasts has Pastor Rebecca referenced the book of Revelation? (laughs) In case you haven't noticed and you haven't picked up on it, Pastor Rebecca loves the book of Revelation.
0: I can apply Revelation to almost anything. I really can. I, I, I'm that's how that versatile typically. I think the Book of <coughs> Revelation is. I know I'm very um, unique in that, but I really do think it it speaks to, I think it speaks to our reality, but not in the ways that it typically has been utilized. Uh, I, I go a different different route. It definitely
1: makes you special.
0: It does. It is. It's my it's my special thing. But anyway, part part of the other thing that Barbara Rossing p- points out is that the word new can also mean renewed. And she makes the argument that this is the only earth we're going to get. And God coming down and, quote, renewing the earth, there's got to be something left to renew. Now, can he create? Yes, of course he can. But what, you know, and the assumption that we are actually living in the end times, I think, is very uh, problematic.
1: So I I think this really is, I didn't expect we would end up in this sort of, this part of it. But I I almost hear that with the same level of frustration I do with so much of theology these days. Well, God will take care of it. Mm -hmm. God will take care of it. God will take care of forgiveness. God will take care of the kingdom of God. And for me, I think we are called, we are very much called to be active participants in the kingdom of God. And that in, in terms of how we act with each other and in the context of this podcast, how we interact and engage the planet, yep. and caring for one another and caring for the planet, I think is is a deeply divine um, act and responsibility that we bear as 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 God's as part of a part of not the a part of God's creation.
0: Well, and and, and the interesting part about that, and I agree wholeheartedly. By the way, of we're, we're active participants. Um, I Actually, I think maybe it was our last podcast, I, ma- I made a comment about the fact that we are called to, to be the change. It's not that God's just going to miraculously wave a magic wand and the change is going to happen without us having any part in it. I, 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 that's, that's kind of our role, I feel, is that we are those agents that God works through. Can we do it without God? No. If we're trying to do it individually, by ourselves, absolutely not, that's not gonna happen. But God working in and through us, yes, that does bring change.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, so if you swim in Lutheran waters, you're likely familiar with the name Rachel Kurtz. And Rachel Kurtz did a song at the youth gathering in, in uh, New Orleans, the Citizens with the Saints, when I don't remember the year, because I'm not good with remembering years. And the song for that youth gathering was, I, was make a difference, and the, the refrain is, I want my life to make a difference. And that, that I mean, that song really spoke to me, and I, I think that's, I've, that's sort of the mantra. I think our lives are supposed to make a difference for other people, and in this, and in this, in this vein, this podcast creation, as, as, we're, as we're talking about the planet and, and where we're headed um, mm-hmm. as a planet. So there's a really good, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, no and I, was just, I was just also going to toss in that, and, and for, you know, the people that are kind of the sit back and just let things happen people, um, one of the things I find very interesting is, and of course, they're, they're pulling very heavily on things like Revelation and all this destruction, but they're ignoring certain parts of Revelation that also say things like, um, in Revelation eleven eighteen that says, and when the nations rage and all that, God will destroy those who destroy the earth. Oops. Yeah, that that's, that, that mm-hmm. sticks out for me. <laughs> that that kind of sticks out. Uh is well wait a minute it isn't god destroying the earth it's us destroying the earth. And that that's kind of a poignant point that that gets glossed over.
1: Well, I gloss over that too. That's a little woof. <laughs>
0: Ouch. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a harsh. But so anyway, speaking so.
1: of destroying the planet. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, how we're doing that. Yeah. So there's a really good documentary on PBS, and it's a it's slightly dated. Um, it, it came out a few years, a number of years ago, and it's it's sort of narrated and hosted by Richard Alley, who is a, a geoscientist at Penn State. We are Penn State. Go Penn State. Um, and he narrates this, this documentary about climate change. And the reason I really liked it, it's, it's called Earth and Operator's Manual, or Earth The Operator's Manual. What I really appreciate about it is it breaks things down in ways that my non-scientific self can kind of understand, um, because I need that. So the question is always, well, how do we know it's man-made, right? Mm-hmm. It's it just—it's just—it's just a cycle. It's just a change. So he breaks it down, and he says, "Okay, so there's carbon twelve, which is plant-based. Right. Carbon twelve is plant-based. So to do um, carbon dating. If yep, you Remember correctly. Yep. So carbon thirteen is from the decay of rocks. So often volcanoes um, erupt and emit carbon thirteen. Carbon fourteen is a decay, radioactive part, like from dinosaur bones, that sort of thing. So carbon 12 um, in the air is from the burning of fossil fuels because fossil fuels are the decay of of plants and those types of things, Mm -hmm. okay? So when they measure, they're able to measure the CO2 levels in the air. Well, the carbon 13 levels... I'm sorry, the carbon 12 levels... See, I'm not a scientist. The carbon (laughs) 12 levels, when they go up, generally the temperature is, is tracking along those same lines. So we're able to trace back and say, okay, so as, a, as the carbon-12 levels have increased, mm-hmm. which are the man-made burning of fossil fuels, the temperature has tracked that almost, almost like to a T. And currently we're, we're kind of burning CO2 like at unprecedented levels as, as we continue to... Oh, well. <laughs>
0: You want to know how much we're burning our fossil fuels? Just look at it on Martin Downs Highway, right, you know, yeah. right out front here, and all those cars burning those fossil fuels. Right. My car <laughs> burning those fossil fuels. Yeah, and gas
1: prices are going up. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so there's the, when there's more CO two in the air, the temperature rises. And when there's less CO two in the air, the temperature falls. Now here's what's really interesting because. I, my question was always, well, how do they know what the levels were like years ago, decades ago, mm-hmm. whatever? So they were able to take um, samples from icebergs mm-hmm. and glaciers, right. and these big ice cores, and I think the place, one of the places they store them is in, is in Colorado, if I remember from the documentary correctly. So what they would do, the, as, as, the, as the snow would melt and freeze and get impacted, the little air bubbles, air pockets, right. get um, frozen. get get frozen and captured. So they can then release those and measure the amounts of, of carbon in the air. And the levels as we've getting closer to today continue to increase. Now today we can measure them in different ways. We don't need to go back to the icebergs to do that, but it gives us you know sort of a history of, of what's happening. And it's just it's it's crazy the, number, the, amount of, the amount of carbon that we're, that we're burning. So the, I'm going to read you a statement. And I'm going to ask you to guess who said it. Uh-oh. Climate change and energy security equal economic... and ec, I'm sorry. Climate change, energy security, and economic stability are linked 100%.
0: Okay. is this multiple choice? Because I'm not gonna pull that out of the air. <laughs> oh.
1: No, I can't give a multiple choice. I was not prepared to give a multiple choice. You're just supposed to pull it out of the air.
0: I'm supposed to pull it out of the air. I have absolutely It's no the idea. Pentagon. Okay.
1: Which I'm like, what? Not the not not at not not at all what I expected to hear from the Pentagon. See,
0: see I was trying to think individual. So yeah. that's why I needed multiple choice. Yeah, that's why
1: it was a trick question. <laughs> Um, And I don't remember the guy from the Pentagon that made the quote, but it's the Pentagon quote. Um, So in 2010, the Defense Department actually began studying climate change Mm -hmm. because they saw it as an issue.
0: Well, it's a national security issue.
1: Why is it a national security issue?
0: Uh, Well, gee, let's look at what just happened in uh, Nebraska. Uh, There's a nuclear power plant in Nebraska that... that they were really concerned about during all of this flooding because guess what what happens when nuclear power plants get flooded and don't work properly meltdown did did we did we learn anything from the tsunami in in japan yeah um and what kind of a national emergency but it also uh uh, look at off at air force base it was underwater they had to uh, they lost a lot of equipment and Airplanes, I mean, and and off it is, of course, you know, what used to be Strategic Air Command. It's the number two place to go for the president when there's a national emergency. Remember 9-11, first place they they took him was to Omaha. So, I mean, that's definitely a national security issue on on that front. Um, We live in Florida. We're no stranger to the fact that we're getting much bigger Hurricanes. Yep. Look, uh, look at the size Irma was even compared to Andrew. I remember that just floored me, just the, the the scope of how big it was. I mean, it covered the entire state. And the fact that you're going to have billions and billions of dollars being dumped into dealing with uh, the catastrophes that come from these major storms and floodings and um, we're gonna have increased tornado activity and so, if you're dumping all of your money into relief efforts within your own country, what happens to your economy? Yeah. So, yeah. Again, it's climate really change,
1: problem. energy security, and economic stability are linked. Yes. From, from the Pentagon. Absolutely true. Yep. Um, so, it's interesting. One of the reasons the Pentagon started studying this was, was that bottom-line fact. The other, we kind of have naval bases. Mm-hmm. When the climate heats up, the water levels rise, when the water, level, when the water level rises, those things that are along the water, you need to assess what the potential risk is. So that was one of the reasons. The other reason they did this study, the Pentagon uses 12 million gallons of fuel a day. A day.
0: Doesn't shock me, but.
1: No, but I, I, I guess it doesn't shock me, but that number was, was big. I I did like I was I was just kind of dumbfounded, um, and I guess I just never really thought of it in those terms. But you know, so that's another reason that that the Pentagon kind of is kind of looking at this and going, okay, so is this sustainable? Because the reality is, a plant doesn't decay and turn into um, natural gas or oil um, or coal overnight. Yeah, it yeah. takes it takes millions of years to happen. And the problem is we're burning through them in hundreds of years. Yeah. So we're burning through them at a rate that the Earth cannot keep up the production of it. Right. Which, frankly, is, is, is kind of scary. But we just kind of keep rolling through, like it doesn't matter. American energy use is about, about 10,000 watts per day. The average American, 10,000 10, watts per day. So it's something that really affects so many aspects of our lives.
0: Oh, well, let's face it. The if being as dependent as we are on fossil fuels, fossil fuels run out, we're in a, a deep deep trouble. Yeah. Um, and and that would also be a national security issue because uh, l- the other countries that are becoming not so dependent on fossil fuel. I mean, look at China. The China is investing in yeah. solar energy heavily and, heavily, and heavily heavily into those things because they recognize this isn't going to last forever. Right. And who's going to be on top at the end? So this isn't so much uh, theological speak, but it's, but it's <laughs> practical speak of, you know, if you're, you're concerned about your, your standing in the world and who, who's going to wind up on top right now, um, the Chinese and, and those who are really investing in those uh, uh, alternative energies are, are going to be the ones that wind up winning in the end.
1: So, okay, so I have another multiple-choice question for you. Uh-oh. I know, I, but I actually have multiple-choice okay. this time. So it's actually multiple-choice. What is the only country in the world that if gasoline was wiped away from, the, from an option could survive? A, China. B, Russia. C, Brazil. D the United States.
0: Oh, those are hard. well. I know it's not D. Yeah,
1: those. <laughs> sorry, folks. We're dependent I, on gas.
0: I know it's not D. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, ooh, that's a hard one.
1: If I could. Yeah, I know. Na, na, na. Well, let
0: me let me go through my logic here. Of course, I know that China is investing, but I think they're still. investing. Too, I yep. still think they're too big for for, um, for that but maybe not. Maybe they are. Okay. I know Russia actually is liking global warming because it's opening up new avenues for them because things are melting and they're having access, but that's still fossil fuel. So I'm going to, and Brazil, I don't know enough about Brazil, I'll be honest. So I'm going to go with China.
1: It's Brazil. It is Brazil. Okay. It's Brazil. Um, and one of the reasons, Brazil is doing a lot with sugarcane and ethanol and that sort of ah. thing that they're able to which then so we're talking about ethanol and making sugarcane into fuel making corn into fuel we then get into the whole ethics of using food that could feed people cuz yeah. we have we're not even talking about starvation in this in this podcast that'll be another one at some point I'm sure but we're talking about the ethics of f- using food products so that we can power cars they're yeah. so taking something that we could that man could that we could survive off of, sustain ourselves off of physically, to to burn for energy. Yeah. The, so the, so the, the answer only, is Brazil.
0: Yeah. Um, interesting. I, I I would not have. I didn't. I I did. Like I said, I don't know that much about Brazil. So.
1: Yeah, me either. That, me either.
0: But good for Brazil. Um, I, I, I you know I guess if you're, I, I'm trying to look at the the argument of whether you can use that food for, for that or, or not. Uh, our problem in this world is not that we don't have enough food.
1: It's that we distribute it poorly. It's how it's distributed,
0: yeah. yeah. Our, our, we have an abundance of food. Um, there's so much food that goes to waste, and, and that's a whole another issue. And the question being, instead of putting it to waste, could we put it towards energy? Right. Since it's not being <clears throat>
1: distributed, well. distributed properly. What percentage... Of, this is like a quiz show all of a sudden. I know. What percentage of fossil? F- I like being. I'm the not game- doing very well. I like being school. the game show host. Much <laughs> yeah, better. but I'm not doing very well. What percentage well. <laughs> of fossil fuels fuel the world?
0: What percentage yeah. of
1: what percent of the world uses fossil fuels? Oh, as, you know, are we burning fossil fuels at?
0: Well, I'm gonna go with at least like in the '90s somewhere.
1: 75 to 80. Oh, really? And you know why? Because there's so many countries that are still Third off the world. grid. Third world countries that are, are off the grid. World. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's the only reason that those numbers are skewed. Because in, so, in some parts of the world, they're st- still using wood and dung as energy sources. And I was like, oh, I, I forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, because that's not... Don't that's put not, me on
0: Jeopardy! I would not win.
1: I, I don't know. I, I think you'd... You'd kill it on the revelation category. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. If it's biblical, I'm all good. Give it to but but statistics and that kind of stuff. Nope.
1: <laughs> Give me sports and I got a shot. If it's not a sports category, I might be in trouble. So so we're talk- so we've identified what seems to be an issue. We're burning through fossil fuels at just a crazy, crazy rate. It's not sustainable. It's it's causing the climate, you know, the temperature to rise. Our our role as carers of, of caretakers, stewards, stewards um, of creation, what do we do? What do we do? Just say, oh, well, I'm just going to drive my, my gas guzzling you know, SUV, whatever. Um, or are there other options?
0: Well, uh, the other issue, again, is affordable options. Correct. I mean, let's face it. I may want to go buy that, that hybrid, but how much is that hybrid going to cost me? Yeah. And... I know
1: for a while there were tax breaks. I don't know if it, they still exist or if they went away.
0: I think they were gotten rid... or at least they're, they're trying to get rid of them. I'm not yeah. sure if they actually have gotten rid of them or not, but I think they're in the process of getting rid of those tax breaks, which to me is... is uh, I don't understand because if we do want to be moving people toward that sustainability, we need to be making that a much more viable option because I would love for my next car to not be the the gas guzzler that it is. I also know I'm on a very limited income and therefore I have to be able to afford the car that I'm going to be driving. Um, and I suppose there's probably some argument that you can make, though, for uh, you, uh, how much you save in gas is going to make up for what you spend on the car. I, I don't that's, know. I have never done the math.
1: That's what they say. Yeah. I mean, I've they, never they done s- the math. They say that, and
0: maybe that's what I need to do. Is yeah. I need to I need to do the math and say, okay, is it actually worth it for me to do this because I will save X amount on. On
1: and I pass. think it depends how much you drive that sort of thing as well.
0: And the sad reality is, for especially well for anybody, but especially Americans, if you hit them in their wallet, that's where it's gonna. That's where the change is gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Well, and the reality is, this is gonna hit every hit us all at our wallet.
0: Yes. One eventually. Way or another.
1: Whether we yeah. whether we address it now or later, um, there will there's there's gonna be ram- economic ramifications. Um, yeah, but, know,
0: but let's face it, people live in the right now. That's right, absolutely, absolutely. I, as they go, but how does it affect me right now?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. And, um, yeah. and, and we, I, we, I live in that reality, too. Yep. Um, okay, can I afford this now? And I, we really, as a family, we really try and make long-term economic decisions rather than short-term. Um, some, but sometimes that's really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can I... Can I pay my six-month car insurance in lump sum so I can save $200 over six months? <gasps> can I do it? You know, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, and we try to make those decisions, but it's not always easy. So, so realistically, so we live in the sunshine state.
0: It's better than living in the st- state that's not for everybody. <laughs> that's
1: right, that's right. <laughs> Um, Sorry, Nebraska. Sorry, Sorry, Nebraska. You don't need that gut punch. But it's Um, not for everybody. We live in the Sunshine State. Solar energy, I expected when we moved to Florida to see much more solar energy um, use because we're in Florida. Not to say that I don't see it, but I expected it to be a lot more prevalent um, given that we live in, quote, the Sunshine State to help offset...
0: And let's be clear, if the sun is not shining, that doesn't mean you can't still use solar energy.
1: Correct, correct.
0: If it's a cloudy day, you, you don't suddenly, yeah. everything goes roo-
1: Yeah, right. Well, oh, and, no. and, and the reality is, there's, it's, it's an energy transfer system, and you're supplementing with solar as opposed to other. Um, wind, wind is another, is another option, another energy option. Did you know... I won't ask it the question this time, because you're failing the miserably. Nebraska
0: used a lot of wind. We had a lot of wind farms, because there's a lot of wind blowing across those prairies. Th- that's right, that's
1: right. <laughs> Texas would rank sixth in the world in wind power... that, like, blowing into the microphone wasn't on purpose. Um, Texas would rank sixth in the world in wind power and could, could, could supply 20% of the world's um, energy by 2030. There's that much wind in texas it's interesting this documentary i'm not a documentary guy but this was actually pretty pretty fascinating these these cattle ranchers were putting wind turbines um on their on their um, ranches and just rolling in the money to help offset the 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 fluctuations with farming and cattle ranching Um, like hey we have the space we have the wind you put the wind turbines up and it's they called it green money Ha-ha, get it green uh-huh. as it's coming in. And it's also environmentally green-friendly. So then there's hydro, mm-hmm. which doesn't work everywhere. You've got to have a water source and dams, and that and they they have their own forms of disruption. Um, and then there's geothermal, um, which actually, while I was at Seminary Gettysburg, they put in a geothermal heating system. So geothermal basically works, and this is a really, really, really basic understanding of it, um, works on the di- the vari- varying temperatures in different parts of the Earth's core mm-hmm. so basically you're you're digging deep into the earth um, and tapping into the difference and somehow that creates energy again I'm not a scientist I'm certainly not a geothermal scientist I know
0: I'll bet there's some kind of disaster movie around us um, doing that and and having bad consequences yeah
1: probably. <laughs> probably like that. Just gonna,
0: I'm just gonna guess, there's probably a sci-fi movie out there about how we destroy the world because we were, we were drilling too deep for our geothermal well, energy. Well, so
1: right. real life, fracking... Yes. You know, fracking in, in, in parts of the country, especially Appalachia, um, is, is terribly destructive. Um, you know, so fracking is essentially tapping into natural gas uh, resources. But the problem with fracking is, it just wrecks water systems. Yes. Um, Just horribly, horribly wrecks water systems. Um, So they're tapping into this natural gas, but in the meantime... So now you have energy, but you don't have water to drink. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and again, I think that's one of the big problems with uh, wind energy, is that the cost of getting the wind turbines up and running is, right now at least, is fairly astronomical. And that people have decided that it isn't uh, cost-effective to be... Building these wind turbines uh, to produce energy because of the maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. I know, I'm, like I said, living in an area where it was a pretty common thing. I know that was one of the issues.
1: Here's here's the reality. We have tough choices to make, um, and sometimes sometimes tough choices are easy. Sometimes they're not. Um, sometimes sometimes the tu- the answer to the tough choice is really just an answer that we just don't wanna tackle.
0: Well, and let's face it, what makes, what makes the decision hard always boils down to the same thing. What's that? Economics. Yep. Always boils down to the money.
1: And really, should that be... I, I, under, I understand, I understand, I understand, I understand. I understand that that is a reality for so many people that you have to make purely economic decisions. Um, some for sustainability. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest, some of it—some of it's for greed.
0: Well, I, well, and and let's look at the again. <clears throat> not to be, keep keep bringing up good old Nebraska, uh, but one of the issues of global warming too. One of the things they have pointed out is that uh, cattle farming produces a lot of methane gas, cow farts. That's right. <laughs> cow farts (laughs) are releasing a lot of methane gas into our atmosphere. And so I know one of the very controversial things is, oh, we need to adopt a more vegan-style diet and the reality of that is, well, number one, a lot of us really love our beef, um, and Amen, the, and, sister. and an entire midwestern economic system is sure. based on cattle production. Yeah. So getting rid of that is no easy task so and, I, I and it's going to be very controversial because you're talking about people's livelihoods yeah. there. about know, my diet? <laughs> yeah. I, well, <laughs> there's that too. <laughs>
1: and I, okay, so, uh, uh, wow, um, we've, Transition into the cow fart portion, <laughs> <at> the <home laughs> portion of the podcast. Of the podcast, you knew I was going to
0: have to bring up cow farts at some point, though.
1: You know? I, actually, I didn't. I didn't yeah, expect did, we would be didn't talking go there? about cow farts. Didn't go there? So, so I'm aware that methane gas at, through cow farts is is a thing um, that is that is that is detrimental. What I don't know, admittedly, I don't know, is how detrimental. That is compared to the other forms. The other forms yep. that, are, that are. And I,
0: I haven't dug into that research um, either. I just, I just. But wanted to I'm bring willing cow farts. to bet.
1: <laughs> I'm willing to bet that the issue is much more a fossil fuel issue than a cow fart issue.
0: I'm sure it probably um,
1: is. And I, I will do some re- I will I do some say, research on this. I,
0: I would need to do research on um, it as well.
1: I can't believe I'm gonna research cow farts, but I'm gonna try and research cow farts. We'll get back to you on that. My work is done here. Yes, yes, your work is definitely done, and mine has just begun. Oh, they're paying me to research cow farts. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but can we, make those, can we make those difficult choices? You know, can, can we talk about shifting our energy culture away from fossil fuels, to more renewable sources, can we talk about being more efficient? Um, you know, through things like simple things like LED lights, way more efficient than the Thomas Edison light bulb. Thank you, Thomas Edison. You have served us well. You know, God rest your soul. You've done marvelous, incredible work, but. The reality, from an energy standpoint, is we've evolved past the common light bulb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so can we talk about being LED and LCD and you know, yeah, all of those things, which which brings me to, to this space that we're sitting in. You know, as as a church, as a church, can we be more um, green, so to speak? Can we can we look at you know, replacing light bulbs with LED and being more efficient. Now, yes, there's an upfront cost. There's also a savings in the end. But beyond the savings, is it our responsibility as stewards to be as efficient with the things that God has given us? Mm-hmm. And I think the easy answer to that the obvious answer to that is yes, it is it is our responsibility to be efficient.
0: Well and then and, and that comes back to then how does all of that affect the church in general and let's face it, it it comes back to it affects church budgets and it affects how churches are going to uh, spend their money if if you believe the world is ending and your goal is you need to go save everybody's souls for before the rapture and all that fun stuff your budget is going to be geared toward something like evangelism you're, you're going to be out there trying and you not care you're not caring about any of that if we're looking at it, though, from the standpoint of, weight, part of my, my role as a Christian is to care for the earth uh, as well as my community and the other people because we're, you know, the likelihood of us being here for quite a while yet. Um, I hope so. I, I mean, I think of, of King Hezekiah.
1: And I, King, I don't generally do that.
0: I know, you don't. King Hezekiah, though, when he was um, dying... And he had brought the Babylonians in to look at all of his stuff. And he, and Isaiah came up to him and said, why did you do this? He goes, the Babylonians are now going to come in and take all of our stuff sometime in the future. And his question was, well, is this going to happen in my lifetime? And Isaiah said, well, no, it's going to happen further down the road. And he said, well, as long as there's peace and prosperity in my time, what do I care? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that mentality for me was kind of that, it, it, it's that...
1: Kick the can down the road.
0: Well, yeah, but it's also that that concept of I don't care about future generations as long as things are good for me, and, and are we being called to do that? I think that was kind of the indictment of Hezekiah, who overall was a good king, a faithful king, but had a few flaws, and that was one of his big flaws, was he was not looking down the road of the, of what kind of peace and prosperity he was going to have for future generations. He was only looking at the the momentary. Um, and the problem that we have with something like climate change is not only is it going to affect the the, the down-the-road future, our grandchildren, that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I'm single. I'm not going to have grandkids, so why should I care? You know, <laughs> I I could easily adopt that idea and just say, well, pff, no one in my family, I'm not, I'm not worried about it because right. I, I'm not... I don't have any heirs that, that are going to be affected by this, but I still kind of f- consider my fellow humans as fellow kin, and maybe I care about what their future is going to be like, and maybe I need to be doing something in the here and that now that is going to affect that future so that they don't have to be dealing with it. But the other reality is we're still going to have to deal with it because we're already seeing it, we're, we're already seeing these changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we are, and there, we, we, I think we're too quick to just stick our head to sand and say, "Not my problem." Not my problem. Somebody else will deal with it, whether that's some another person, another generation, or, or whatever. Um, and it's, it's sad. I mean, it, it is. It's sad. I, I think, you know, God has, has given us an absolutely beautiful creation, um, and sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm literally in awe. The other night, the moon was like five thousand feet wide, like just like in the sky. It was just so huge. Yes, I know the moon is bigger than five thousand feet wide.
0: No, no, no. what I was oh, I was you you're talking about you know the grandeur and the beauty of creation, just again reminded me kind of of the mentality of um, some of the dispensationalism and the rapture stuff. And their mentality is since it's only for humans. Mountains and rivers and oceans are not going to exist in the new creation, according to their their understanding of it. None of that stuff is going to be there, which I say, well, how does that make it good? (laughs) I'm like, if you don't have any of that stuff, that's stuff I love. That's beautiful, gorgeous, God's creative power kind of stuff out there. And their idea is that none of that's going to be there anyway, so what does it matter? That's sad. Uh, yeah, that to me is a very sad way of, of looking at it because I think it was it's like Tim LaHaye who wrote the Left Behind books who made some comment so. about that who, who, who was saying, oh, we're not going to have any of the mountains and stuff. It's going to be just people. And I'm like, heaven's just me looking at other people? That stinks. <laughs> no offense to my fellow humans, but <laughs> Maybe everybody's that's, my, that's not my vision of heaven. <laughs> Maybe I'm much
1: better looking in heaven. Uh maybe we're all much better looking <laughs> maybe in but,
0: but the idea that you know i'm like I, and how many people for them getting connected with god is to go out into the mountains in the woods and that's where they they yeah. feel that connection yeah. so
1: yeah sunrise sunset here in in, in south florida is beautiful yeah um, i i truly love it so this is another problem we are not solving um, no. i'm sad to say we're episode seven i don't think we've solved any problems yet um, but if we can just raise the consciousness yes. on any of these issues, I to think get people to think about them yeah. and, and
0: think about how, how it affects your daily life, yeah. the things that from a Christian perspective, what do we need to be concerned about? What are some right. of the things that, and, and
1: this has not been a priority. No, no, it is. This, it this has really not been a priority. It really hasn't. Um, but
0: it should be, in my view, yeah. uh, from the standpoint of it should become a much more urgent uh, issue for the church.
1: It's an overall for me. It's an overall stewardship issue. You know, God has given us so many things that we are that we are blessed to experience, and that goes from families and friends and and jobs and 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 you know some some fi- some financial uh, there's a financial piece of it. There's also this the beautiful creation that God has gifted us with that. We're, we're to enjoy, but I think we're also supposed to care for it so that others can enjoy it, too.
0: Right. It's because it's, g- shockingly, not about us. Go figure. That's 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 always the problem with the Christian message, is that it winds up being not just about you. Um, it's supposed to be about your neighbor as well. All right. Um, Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Again, if you have a question you would like us to have a podcast on, you can email us at ipccrackedpots at gmail.com. Thank you.